Hello, and welcome to the Above Average Irrelevance podcast. Today is Thursday, March 9th. Uh, I'm Matt Weaver. I'm here with Scott, and we're about to do episode 33. How, Scott? Howdy, Matt. How's it going? Good. You ready to do this thing? Yes. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded a podcast. I know. It has not been a while since we published a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you following along at home, it, uh, this, yeah, pay close attention to the dates. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If anybody listens to our last one, they're going to be like, they're talking about the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl was a month ago. That, how, yeah. How, but, uh, yeah. how timely. Yeah. So... Everything we talk about is timeless, of course. Right. <laughs> so after we record an episode, then when I'm just coming up with the links to put and, you know, the quick little summary for the episode, I generally like to listen back to the episode just to make mm -hmm. sure I have everything covered. And, you know, um, this time, like, I listened back to it, but then I didn't do the little write-up. And I, like, waited so long that I forgot. <laughs> and so forgot. I actually had to listen to it again. Wow. You're, uh... Yeah. That must be your most favorite episode. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, should we start at the top of the list? Sure. Well, um, I guess before we start, you have been on a diet. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a question. Have let's you? Just, let's just set that aside for a while. I'll let you know when we're, we can talk about that again, okay? Fair enough. Hasn't been great. Uh, well, you've... I've been out of town for like three weekends in a row. Been really busy, traveling. Yeah. New job. Hasn't gone fantastic. So I think I stopped weighing myself like two weeks ago. <laughs> well, a new some new people in your life yeah. which is always exciting so so it's just not been a priority um i would like it to be again in the near future and we shall see but not today because we're drinking raise a glass <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well uh in truth my weight has not um not changed much i've had many Weekends away, where I have eaten and drank ample amounts, and my weight goes up, and then it kind of goes back down, and I'm working out hard, running good, but I seem to be drinking a lot lately, so <clears throat> that has a way of uh, undoing my calorie deficit, but that's okay. That's the thing. I'm in one of those phases right now where I'm working out just hard enough to maintain my weight, even eating poorly. Mm -hmm. But that's such a waste. I mean, it's like it is. running and working out is so hard to be just like breaking even. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know why I do it. The nachos seem like a good idea, but man, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe on that note, we should skip ahead and talk about this... Uh, don't wait until you're older to fight getting old. Too late. <laughs> Come on, you're not that old. No, we should just call this the depressing article for the night. I, I don't know that it's that depressing. It 
just kindly suggests to you that uh, you'll be happier and age better if you eat well and exercise. Right? If you wait until you're seriously overweight and you know 50 years old to try to get yourself in shape again, you're you're going to have a huge uphill climb. So it did start to talk about like the rate at which you lose muscle mass. Like it said, the loss of muscle mass happens at a rate of about 10% per decade. It talked about at various ages where you start losing bone mass, losing your hearing, <laughs> losing your eyesight. Um, with the driving point being you know take advantage of getting in shape while you can you know put yourself in the best possible position yeah. to counteract um aging like there's some stuff uh that's fairly easy to do like uh, protecting your hearing um when i mow the yard you know i wear you know just cheap but over the ear hearing protecting muffs mm-hmm. um and now Last year, um, I got these custom-fitted earplugs that I wear when I'm riding the motorcycle, uh, and that dramatically lowers the noise floor when I'm on the motorcycle. Yeah. Um, that's a huge help. And these are things that, you know, you're not going to experience pain necessarily, but <clears throat> you might do them for hours at a time, and so that elevated noise for hours at a time does slowly damage your hearing yeah and so you know the cumulative effect of 40 years of mowing your yard um adds up but just wearing some earmuffs or putting in some earplugs you know when i'm on the motorcycle i think is a small a small task to do to dramatically improve the likelihood that I'll be able to hear all of the people in my life when I'm 80, whether I want to or not. Yeah, I should be better about that. I, I'm i pretty good about wearing uh, earplugs at like concerts, yep. but that's the only time I really worry about it. And there's a lot other uh, everyday but that's situations. Loud. If that's right. the only thing you that's did, like you're still better damage than loud, yeah. You know. You're still better than half the population, right? Right. I mean, think about the last concert you and I went to. I bet you most of the people that were in there weren't wearing earplugs. Yeah. I mean, it's just a U two concert, but it's still loud. So I could do better on hearing protection. The thing I, you know, aside from the harder to lose weight over time yeah i'll give you that um so that i've definitely noticed the older i get the harder it is um in the last couple of years my vision i've always had perfect vision and my vision has started i've started to have vision problems since i've Um, worn glasses since like the fourth grade i'm my violin for you is very very right (laughs) i know but i'm not saying it's worse or anything but when you've had vision you've never had to wear glasses you know i've spent 30 i spent 35 years not wearing glasses it's very hard to adjust to having to wear glasses well yeah i'll give you that um i have some older friends not old friends just people who are older that are starting to 
have to occasionally put on readers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might wear glasses, but now they're having to, you know, put on readers to see stuff up close. And that's kind of driving them crazy. Yeah. So mine isn't up close. Mine is anything. Mine's distance. Like I'm nearsighted. Um, anything more than, you know, 20 yards out from me. Yeah. In order to see it clear in focus, I have to squint. Like that's how mm-hmm. I knew I needed to get glasses as I found like um, seeing road signs, especially driving, sure. like driving yeah. at night. I have to squint. And I really blame this. You know, I'm going to do some serious research, but I've come across a couple articles over the years online about kind of like uh, what, what's referred to as a nearsighted epidemic um, from people staring at computers and phone screens. And it's spending so much time with your vision focused so close um, that, you know, your eyes don't track the same at I th- distance vision. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it seems... I think... Seems I've reasonable. read these articles, and I think people have suggested this as a possible reason why the statistics seem to bear out that our population is more nearsighted. But I don't know that there's a direct Correlation. proven yeah. causal relationship. It's just, you know, seems to we have more nearsighted people now than we used to. What do people do now that they didn't used to do? Oh, everybody stares at a computer screen now. See, I've always started a computer screen, and I feel like my vision has gotten significantly worse just in the last three or four years when I've spent so much time staring at a phone screen, which is even worse. I mean, that's like tiny print right in front of your face. Yep. I don't know. Um, I've also thought about looking into, you know, there are like eye exercise programs where, you know, you do vision exercises where you're focusing at points, you know, at a certain Mm. distance and, you know, working on trying to re-strengthen that. That might be worth looking into while I'm young before it's too late. <laughs> well, it couldn't hurt. Yeah. So uh, getting it, old's a bitch. <laughs> it is. They had this section here about your core strength, and uh, I, you know, as part of the exercises that I do, I do exercises that work my core both indirectly and, in some cases, directly. Um, and I can tell you that just in the time that I've been doing this strength training program, having increased core strength has made a lot of the things that I do in my life just mundane stuff. You know, putting a jug of milk in the fridge or, you know, moving a box around or something, right? Just simple stuff that you just do in your life. It has made that almost effortless. Like it almost feels like you're cheating, just to be just a little bit stronger in your core and in your legs and everything, right? If you just take you and make yourself 20% stronger, which is not actually that hard to do if you lead the sedentary sit-in-front-of-the-computer lifestyle that you and I lead, uh, just adding a little bit of strength to your life makes everything that you do easy. So um, when they talk about As you age and you lose muscle density, you know, muscle mass, uh, and it become, you start to lose your balance because you don't, your core muscles literally aren't strong enough to hold up your body body anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I can totally believe it because even as somebody who's not, you know, in a, in, in terrible shape like that, but just a normal dude, doing some exercises and being stronger, I've really noticed a tremendous change in my life, just mm. my day-to-day life. 
and I have other friends that have done this too. I, a friend of mine that lives in Chicago, I finally convinced him at the end of last year to go back to the gym and, and change his routine around to include some strength training as opposed to only cardio stuff. And, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he and I were talking on the phone and he was telling me how, how brilliant it is that he has gotten stronger. Like he's not a, you know, he doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He looks like your standard pasty white, white guy, right? That, that works in front of a computer. Uh, but he's like, you know, I'm just a little bit stronger and everything in my life mm-hmm. is easier. He's got little kids. You know, some boys run around, love to play and wrestle, right? And he's like, all of that stuff is easy now, right? It used to be harder. He's like, it's easy. So, PSA, lift now some weights. Now's the time, yeah. Now's the time, lift well, some weights. While you still can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And anyway, I don't think that the article is as depressing as you might think <laughs> it is. All right. Should we go on to this list of banned books? Yeah. Banned children's books. Um, So this is a list that the American Library Association maintains. That's a list of frequently challenged children's books. So, you know, the goody two-shoes of the world trying to save us from all of the ills of society. Uh, Often will go to their library or the local school library and say we really shouldn't have these books in the library because of course children will learn nothing but bad things from them so this list includes uh like judy bloom's blubber and uh, are you there god it's me margaret uh i don't know there's just some stuff on here that seems like it's hard to imagine that people would think that it's right. bad, but <laughs> but yet here it is, right? Obviously, the Harry Potter books are on here. You know, uh, I don't know. Did you like how many of these books have you read? So that was the interesting thing. A lot of these titles I did not recognize. Um, I think some of them are probably newer, younger adult. Right. The ones that are, I'm sure, the ones that have like a. Um, cultural or moral concept that you know is questionable so one's dealing with like same-sex parents and um more kind of like modern reasons for people thinking they're well not a good idea dr seuss's hop on pop is on the list (laughs) i don't the thing is most of them it doesn't tell you why no. Uh, so that was the one that I was most curious. Why? Is it like violence? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm currently in the middle of two books. and But I thought maybe once I finished these books I'm in the middle of, it might be interesting to kind of randomly pick a couple off yeah. of here. Like go to my local library and and get a couple of them and read them just to see. I can't imagine i'm gonna find anything that really offends me i might find stuff that i say wow that's a that's a a a big concept you know for a young person to think about but i don't know that that's bad 
No. Uh, if you if you followed to there's a, there was a New York Times article about these books that's linked in the article you had uh, suggested. And it talks about some of the books specifically. And I guess some of them, there's kind of contradictions because it says like A Wrinkle in Time, the Madeline Langle book, which I really liked as a child. It said has been challenged as both being overtly and insufficiently religious. So like, <laughs> you know, Choose uh, people. Right. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of it is just people trying to see something that really isn't there to see, you know? Yeah. Well... Uh, that's literature it's when all you have is a hammer yeah everything is a nail and so if you believe that uh i don't know let me make up something at random if you believe that immigrants are the root of all ills of society then you might construct an entire worldview around having them removed (laughs) because that's the only way that we can be prosperous i'm just just to cite one possible example. I mean, today's parents don't have to worry about their books, their kids reading books they don't want them to read. Just give them an iPad and problem solved. Yeah. And then they can download porn directly. <laughs> and lose their eyesight all at the, all same, at the same time. time. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of staring at things and ruining your eyes. So we didn't talk about at the time... But but maybe it's worth talking about now. So Apple has apparently stopped selling its own branded computer displays. And they have recommended these LG displays. So there's this 5K, right. 5K Thunderbolt display. Thunderbolt display from LG, uh, which is, you know... It's a thousand bucks, like it's on sale, right, for nine hundred and seventy-four dollars or whatever it is, uh, and it's the first, maybe not the actual first, but it's the first five K display that Apple has said, plug your computer into this, uh, which makes it interesting. Um, once you kind of move towards Retina devices in your life. Uh, Anything that's not a Retina device really stands out. Like, I have a circa 2012 27-inch iMac. It's a wonderful machine in many respects, but it does not have a Retina display. It just has the normal, you know, 1440 uh, 27-inch display. And, uh, you know, it's a fantastic display, except for the fact that it's terrible because it's not a 5K display. Uh so, you know, like I can understand why you want this, uh, but people got them, spent a thousand bucks on this display, plugged them into their computers, and then they wouldn't work. And it appears that the reason was because they were insufficiently shielded from electromagnet, electromagnetic radiation. So if you plug the display in to your computer and you were too close to your wireless base station right your your wi-fi router Mm -hmm. then it might not work (laughs) right and uh you know i mean i suppose apple can say well we dodged a bullet there right lg's got all that hang on their face but yet still it's kind of apple's problem too right like right you know you guys are recommending this thing you didn't bother to test it at all 
Apple How did you let in, these Yahoo's LG's ship this crap? Right? Apple has essentially endorsed this monitor, and there was a lot of speculation that Apple was in some way involved um, in during the design and development phase of this monitor. Could be um, just to get the Thunderbolt stuff right. Yep. Um, I don't know, and, and that's okay. The this debacle, I think, highlights why people. Uh, there's a whole group of people that don't care what Apple wants to charge for the monitor. They're just going to buy the Apple one because they know that Apple will have taken the time and done all of the engineering and the darn thing will work. Right. And that clearly didn't happen here. Now, LG has since fixed it and from a certain production date forward, it's got more shielding and Mm -hmm. apparently fixes the problem. So uh, I did look today. You can go to apple.com, buy one, get it next week right and it should theoretically work um, but it's uh yeah i had heard several anecdotes that the solution from either lg or from apple i don't know who it was from was well just don't use it near your wi-fi router yeah no to which you. people are like I, I, everything's in my office that's where all my equipment is that's where uh that's where i will be using the monitor um yeah. i recently had a internet outage here and when the guy from the cable company was here fixing it he claimed that there was too much signal loss in the amount of cable run from you know the box outside all the way around my house and down into the basement where i have the cable modem yeah he's like well our best option would be to move the cable modem upstairs you know into your dining room so are you okay should we do that no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you idiot. Who who, who on planet Earth that? wants a cable modem in their dining room? Right. What is wrong with that guy? And he's standing in my office where I have like 10 things hardwired in via Ethernet. Like he can see obviously that's not a viable solution. <laughs> no, that's So not we a- uh we brainstormed and came up with a better solution. Where is it now? So it's down there. He just he ended up running a new drop from the box out at the street to the one that's by my house, and that was the actual problem. There you go. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the cabling in the house. So <laughs> he just I, needed to put his mind to it. But similar thing, right? Like we're gonna suggest. It's like you know we suggest that. Oh, I don't know. I can't think of a good analogy. But. Well. I mean, what it what it comes down to is, I think Apple probably understands its customers, and it's clear that LG doesn't. Right. Right. Like the idea that you're going to tell an Apple user that just shelled out a grand for a monitor to just relocate it to just relocate it is like, no, you don't understand, <laughs> you friggin' moron. I will throw your monitor away and buy something else. Right. Right. I've got $50,000 worth of my editing rig set up here, and I'm trying to add your thing into it. It's got to fit here, or it doesn't get to be in my house, right? Like, it, yeah. I can only assume that some Apple executives got on the phone or, or went to LG and said, Stop nah, 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 doing nah, that. You're, you're doing it wrong, man. Let me, <laughs> let me help you understand. <laughs> so do you think Apple is going to make a monitor again at some point? Um, there's a difference between what I want to happen and what I think right. will happen. I think they will not. Yeah. But I want them to. 
because I want them to say we clearly can't depend on third parties to do the right thing. The strongest argument I think I've heard for it, I think this is a John Syracuse argument, is can you imagine in the new Apple campus, the spaceship yes. campus, have you heard this? Yes. Are they really going to have all these LG, these ugly black LG displays all over their beautiful uh, beautiful new campus? To which I would say to him, no, everybody's going to get a 15-inch MacBook Pro and a shiny new iMac. Okay. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to use the iMac as your display? Well, it's going to be your desktop machine. And then you'll... Hmm. I mean, I would think most engineers... I want one machine. I want a laptop that I use in the office and out of the office. Like, I wouldn't want two machines. I want more than 16 gigs of RAM. So uh, I guess I need two machines. Okay. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I don't know. We will see. I think that they might. Um, I think they might still make a monitor. It's it one of those things where it's like you know, I, Apple. You got so much damn money. Just hire all of the brilliant monitor design people. Like I don't understand how you can say the economics of this doesn't work. It's never worked. You've always done it. Do it anyway. Right. <laughs> The thing but, is, at $1,000 a pop or $1,200 or whatever they would charge for it, they're not going to lose money on it. I understand it's not going to be this huge profit center. Yeah, I know they're not actually going to manufacture it. So... Right? Like, I understand it's going to be manufactured by a contract manufacturer, but it's going to be their design. Right? And it's going to do the things that they need it to do. Uh, I don't know. I have in the past, there have been various times in my life where I have owned an external Apple monitor or I've been able to use one, right? Um, And it is always the best computer monitor I have ever seen at whatever period of time I've used it. Right. So. And I've got, you know, other monitors in my life include Dell UltraSharps, like not not crappy, you know, ViewSonic whatever. It's like I've had those too in my life, right? But... You know, I have bought at other times for PCs or whatever that I've had. You know, fancy Dell Dell monitors. But still. so there's an Apple announcement coming up, right? In the next few rumored, weeks. maybe iPads, maybe iMacs, maybe maybe a new everything. <laughs> I think the we'll internet see. doesn't care about anything other than new Mac Pros. Yeah. <laughs> like, I swear to God, Tim Cook could come out on stage and say, we've got spec bump Mac Pros, and the internet would throw up its collective hands and say, thank you, Jesus, and he could walk off stage. <laughs> and just casually, just before he gets off stage, turn around and say, oh, and it's $10,000, and yeah. people would be like, oh, take my money, yeah. right? They wouldn't care. I don't think that's what they're going to do. We'll see. Uh, do you think they'll have... An off-cycle iPhone? I don't think so. You don't think they'll, like, add iPhone 7 Red to the mix? I suppose a color's possible. I mean, you know, they did that with the SE, but it was because people were, like, there was high demand. People were clamoring for a revision. Do you think they'll update the Um, SE every year, every other year? Will they ever update the SE? Oh, I don't think so, because I think that design is retired, and I think that they 
or near retirement, and I think they but reluctantly used it for the SE. But it's selling like crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the data is clear. There's a whole cadre of people that want a four-inch phone. The four-point-seven inch is too big. Crazy people. It's possible. This rumored no, you know, edge-to-edge no. You know, no bezel phone. That might be small enough that maybe then they don't have to update the SE. That could be. But that's also rumored only to be in this next generation of phones, only the big phone and only a special edition, right? Right. Like a $1,000 phone, right? You're ready for a new phone this next go-round, aren't you? (laughs) Whatever it is, take my money. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be getting a third year out of this phone. Yeah. Um, But when new ones come out... I will be there day one. Well, you know, after the, as I tell people, when you buy a new iPhone, right, and you you buy whatever the newest one is, for that year, you've got literally the best phone on planet Earth. And the second year, maybe Samsung or somebody's come out with a good phone, maybe the Google Pixel is a good phone, but you've got maybe the second best phone on planet earth right maybe the third best phone right because the new iphone is better than yours and maybe the new samsung galaxy 9000 is better than yours but maybe maybe not right so you've still got a really good phone but by that third year you're learning chugging you're learning patience totally right and so uh by the time you're done with that third-year phone, you get to the exact spot that you're at. I don't care what it is. Please take my money and give me the thing. I am totally ready for the <laughs> new thing. It'll be exciting. My, I'm going to have to live vicariously because my, yeah, my, this... You're a generation newer. I'm a generation newer, which means I'm going to wait yeah. one more year. So I will get an actual iPhone 8. Not the 7S that people call the 8. I don't understand. Right. So my first thing I got to do is I got to get rid of T-Mobile. <laughs> I've had I think nothing you've been problems. That. I know. And Every time we, we drink and talk about cell phones, the words yeah. come out of your mouth. I got to get rid of T-Mobile. And so my recent thing is I went on this train trip. I might have told you this, but I went on this train trip. Uh, the train got stalled. I was on like an AT&T LTE network because T-Mobile does, you know, network sharing or whatever. Yeah. And we're sitting and I get my phone out and I do a little Facebook and I send some iMessages and I'm probably Just online. idling away the time as one yeah, does on their phone. Right. Um, I don't know, maybe like eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, no more data, you know, no more data connection. I get a little pop-up thing that says cannot authenticate or something. And then a text message rolls in from T-Mobile that says... You have reached your limit on roaming data for the month. (laughs) It's like a hundred megs or something, right? And then I looked, I looked it up later. Ten megabytes. Ten megabytes. I blew through ten megabytes in like eight minutes, obviously, because because Facebook. So uh, so I just I mean that's ridiculous to say and so you look at the T-Mobile coverage map and the whole country is pink because they include all of the. Uh, shared networks 
Well, except for all those parts that you don't. You is can't there, use data on it. Is there a different plan you could get on that has more? The more data you pay for in network, the more data you get out of network, but it's still just a pittance. How much data do you pay for? I think it's like a couple gigs. It's not a lot. Yeah. I have one of those plans, though, that I can never go over. Like, once I hit my limit, they just start throttling me. Yeah. Aren't um, all plans that way now? Are they? I don't know. So I just need to get motivated and look around and figure out what I want to do. You know, Verizon has that unlimited plan now that I'd look into. Yeah. Um, AT&T, AT&T has one too. Yeah. seems to be the best generally accepted to be the best network around in this area so i don't know it's just it sucks switching that and you kind of got to time it right you know i want to wait till i'm near the end of my month because then i don't have to deal with you know prorating bill and all that stuff and yeah you're not on a contract right no yeah it's just a pain i needed like a sec i wish i had a secretary who i could have do it for me <laughs> I understand. Or like a personal assistant. I bet you... Would your phone work on Verizon? It'd work on AT&T. Yes, because this is a 6 Plus where there was only one unlocked model that works on all networks. Ah. The 6S is where they changed it, you know. So. Yeah. Maybe it's a 7. I think it's the 6S too. 6S too. I where think. there's two different models. Yeah, because they're trying to branch out for multiple... Like, they're trying to add Intel as a cellular chipset vendor. Um, which, I guess, you know, I understand they're trying to break Qualcomm's monopoly, but it feels to me like Intel, you know, nicknamed Chipzilla, ought to be able to come up with uh, a chipset that is better than Qualcomm's. And You'd think. It's currently not. But Well, I'm officially on T-Mobile Death Watch, and we'll see how many podcast <laughs> episodes it takes for me to actually pull the trigger. Should I ask you about that as opposed <laughs> to your diet at okay. the beginning yeah. of episodes? <laughs> I better get motivated about uh, one or the other. <laughs> there you go. I don't care what you're motivated about, but it ought to be something. Yeah. Uh, all right, so speaking of motivation... We regularly talk about privacy here on this podcast, and uh, there's this article about a man in Ohio who uh, burned down his house attempting to commit insurance fraud, and one of the pieces of data that tripped him up was uh, he has pacemaker, and so the police he casually well, first he told this elaborate story about how he woke up and the house was burning and he packed some clothes really quick and broke out a window and threw the suitcase out and climbed out the window right to get away okay. so he had <laughs> this, this story, story and he mentioned that he had a pacemaker and so the police got a warrant for the data from his pacemaker uh and then they uh the data was reviewed and they at the time that he claimed that this was happening like his heart rate was not consistent with somebody 
who is waking up in a panic because the house is on fire and packing really fast. <laughs> Physically and, exerting themselves, yeah. yeah. And so they're like, you no. were sitting on a couch watching your house burn, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's what you were doing. And there was some other, you know, circumstantial evidence, like the gasoline they found on his shoes, <laughs> right. some of that other stuff, right? But uh, I found it really interesting that, you know, this they looked at this pacemaker data to figure out was this you know was his story mm-hmm. um true based on on these this digital trail that his medical devices have left so it is interesting um they didn't get into it in this article but they said you know they could subpoena for that or subpoena for that data i wonder if um like i'm sure that is retained locally in memory and then it syncs with a network at some point. Or do you suppose he has to go like to a doctor's office or something to sync? No, the I bet it just only stays in the device. He probably had to go to a doctor's office for to them get to it be pulled able to read for it. the evidence. Yeah, like I'm sure they've got some yeah. something that they can bring, you know, within six inches of proximity and connect it. Maybe it's mm-hmm. got Bluetooth in there or something. I don't know, right? But um, I'm sure it's not network connected. I mean, would you want a network-connected thing living in your body, controlling your heart? <laughs> Probably like, not. No. That was a plot. That was a plot device in a season of Homeland. <laughs> I think it was like the vice president. Some important character had a pacemaker that was on a network, and so by getting the device number, they were able to murder him. By hacking it? <laughs> By turning it off, basically? Yeah. So, no, I don't want one wired or... You can believe everything you see on TV. Well, it's showtime. <laughs> they never lie. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It reminded me of that article we talked about a couple weeks ago about... Oh, the Amazon Echo Amazon data. Echo data. Yeah, now I thought I had seen that Amazon wasn't going to give up the data, but you said... So what it was, I went and looked at it again. So yes, they are giving up the data. What it was is the defendant authorized it. Like somehow via plea bargain or threat or I don't even, I don't know what, um, they got him to sign away his right to privacy and then Amazon released the data. So it's still good on Amazon. They weren't going to release it until the consumer agreed to. So that's fair. And I think part of Amazon's argument was the subpoena was this overly broad subpoena. Like, give me everything you got. Like, no, like, tell me what it is you think I have that you want. And I'll go look and see. And I'll go look and see. Yeah. Right. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to start seeing like real, like out in the wild examples of these data recording devices. So I wonder, I mean, you wear an Apple Watch, which you like very much, and it records um, where you go and how many steps you're taking, and it's got your heart rate. Is it monitoring your heart rate all the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it clearly knows what time it is. So if someone accused you of a thing, let's say they accused you of some sort of you know, physical attack, would your Apple Watch data be admissible? Like, if you did it and you were wearing the Apple Watch, it might record your heart rate being really elevated. But if sure. you didn't do it and you were, you know, sitting at home drinking scotch just randomly, as people do, <laughs> uh, 
your heart rate would be very relaxed and you wouldn't have very many steps, you know, and your your watch would say where you were, like, would all that data be admissible? Seems like maybe. And then what if I put on your watch and went and did it? I guess I gotta... You couldn't, you couldn't unlock it without my... Without your pin? You either need my pin or you have to unlock my iPhone. Yeah. That the feature's actually really cool. They introduced that shortly after I got the watch. Where you put the watch on, the first time you unlock your iPhone, it unlocks the watch as long as it's on your wrist. So conceivably, somebody like I, you know, if somebody else in your life had access to your iPhone, this could happen to you. <laughs> right. And they were coerced to unlock the phone while I had your watch on. That's possible then. I mean, it's such a rare, yeah. weird thing, but possible. I would think, though, that, like, you know, yeah, it would be interesting. It would depend on how long you were wearing the watch. I mean, otherwise they could tell your resting heart rate. I mean, there's going to be a lot of data. There would be, like, three months' worth of data on this watch now. So they could come up with a very accurate predictor of my resting heart rate at any point during the day. Yours is going to be different. Maybe. I think it would be obvious with enough the, data that it was not me. Is it enough... Is there enough scientific evidence for the uniqueness of resting heart rates between individuals I don't know. to determine one or the other? I, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a million really interesting questions there. I do know that I forgot to wear my watch to work today. It's the first day I haven't worn this watch since I got it. Yeah. And I looked at my wrist a hundred times today. <laughs> it was crazy. You would think you wouldn't look at it at all because it would never buzz at you because there would be no text messages that would be going there. I I look at it for the time a lot. And it, it's just, you know, once you've had an Apple Watch for a while, it's not just I'm looking at my wrist. It's I'm doing the whole wrist flick look thing, you know, because so you it's, look like, like a fool. it's the twist and look. right? So I'm just wandering around the office, like twisting and looking at my wrist and there's nothing there. It's crazy how, uh, ingrained, there any, how ingrained it's become in my life. Are there any jokesters in your office? Like, was somebody secretly filming you today, like, yeah. putting that on YouTube? I hope not. I mean, there were times where, I, like, I was walking distracted. Like, I was walking to the bathroom, and I looked at my watch, and it wasn't there. And then I, like, got in the bathroom door, and I looked again. It's like, because I wanted to know the time. Because you still didn't know. Yeah, and I immediately forgot. It's like, why don't I know the time yet? And I like, oh, that's why. Why don't I know the time? It's crazy. Oh, man. How dependent. I... I will admit how dependent on technology I am at this point. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. This is how we're going to be cyborgs. I know, right? Uh, all right, so let's... Speaking of technology, why planes don't fly faster? So this is kind of one of my left-field articles, right? This is a Jalopnik article. Uh <clears throat> And, uh, this is one of those where I wish you should do more of this, where before telling me about this article, you should have asked me, do you think planes go faster or slower than they used to? Oh, what would you have said? Faster. Yeah, no. Because, because technology, because science. <laughs> They're more efficient. Yeah. It takes less fuel to get you to wherever you're going now. Yeah, I never would have guessed that planes travel slower. So the, slower on hole than they used to. Right. So this is a video. It's 
I don't know, what is it, 10, 12 minutes, something like that, where somebody had this very question that you just asked, and they researched it and then put together this video. Um, and planes in general take about, they go about the same speed now as they used to. Um, a total flight time is slower just because there's more more bureaucracy and stupidity on the ground. There's more delays. You know, it's harder to get in the air and it's harder to get to the gate once you get to where you're going. The actual number of minutes in the air from New York to L.A. isn't dramatically different now than it used to be. Um, but the thing that was most interesting is they talked about... Uh, I mean, they delved into you know, jet engine, turbofan design, high bypass, yeah, low bypass, bypass like right? And all that other interesting stuff, which is, I mean, you know, if it you're kind interesting, of... interesting. I am not, like, smart enough to get all that kind of, like, on first telling. Like, yeah. I would have to watch it again. Um, but, but it was interesting. But what they're, they're basically talking about is efficiency. Like, right. you know, how much thrust do I get for how much, how much jet fuel, right, goes in. Exactly. And... Uh, for you know, the last twenty years of jet engine design has been towards efficiency, not necessarily towards increased speed, because the physics of the sound barrier in an airplane, like they had this brilliant graph, which I really liked, which which is um, up to about point eight Mach, which is five hundred five hundred fifty miles an hour, plus or minus. Uh, planes can be fairly efficient. But then as you get closer and closer to the sound barrier, they get a lot more inefficient. And then you bust through the sound barrier, and as you keep going faster, they get more efficient again. So there's mm -hmm. this, when you're looking at efficiency, there's this big spike of inefficiency from about 0.8 Mach to about 1.2 Mach. And so it's the physics of breaking the sound barrier that have kind of limited planes to 0.8 Mach, mm -hmm. which is generally fast enough most of the time for most people, right? And trying to make a plane that can break the sound barrier, you know, repeatedly, like and be ready for, uh, you know, commercial airline cycles, duty cycles, and travel at greater than 1.2 Mach, right? Uh, which would be brilliant. Like, it would be easy to go to Tokyo. <laughs> right. Right. Like, we could really go get some bitchin' sushi, and it wouldn't take very long. But it would take a lot of jet fuel. But it would take a lot more jet fuel, right? And, uh, and uh, uh, but, you know, going at Mach 1.3 would take less jet fuel than going at Mach 0.9. Right. Or 1.1, right. for instance. But still more than going at Mach 0.8. Right. Uh, I don't know. I I perceive that we will eventually get there. But not yet. It'll probably be not with jet fuel, is my guess. Like, eventually we're, we're probably going to end up with not fossil fuel-powered airplanes. Right? It'll eventually be some sort of electronic airplane some point there was also an interesting discussion of, of the concord um and i thought that was 
Mm. Um, you know, it talked about how essentially what the downfall of that was is people would give up the time. They would give up having a faster flight in order to have a more comfortable flight. Right. And so, you know, bigger jets that are more fuel efficient and can have first class seats that lay down. That fold flat. You can literally get a good right. night's sleep in them. If someone can do that, they're fine with a seven hour flight versus being crammed in for a three hour flight on the Concorde. Yeah. And I mean, the Concorde was all about space efficiency, essentially. So. Because in order to make the physics of the airplane work. The seat, yeah, the seat. It seats was like a hundred people or something that could be in there. Right. So. But like a 747-800 or whatever, I mean, you can put yeah, 250, 250, 300 yeah. people on there, including, you know, a section of 20 or 30 ultra-luxurious first-class seats. Right. So. So that was interesting. I didn't, I didn't really understand. It got into how much, uh, like in today's dollars, uh, to ride on the Concorde was like $7,500 or something. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's not that much you money. You better be in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, or not care what it costs right i mean there was a whole group of people that oh i need to go to london so right take the concord right and i can be there hmm. but yeah so that was kind of a neat a neat thing final topic 10 meter tower yeah i just happened across this the other day and uh it's a it's a New York Times video <clears throat> titled The 10-Meter Tower. It's made by uh, Maximilian Van Ertrick and Axel Danielson. And what they did is they went to a 10-meter diving platform. So this is the high dive that you see in the Olympics, right? It's really high. And their purpose was... <clears throat> essentially a psychology experiment. They wanted to film people um, in a difficult situation where they're in doubt. Like they wanted to witness people being in doubt. And uh, they didn't want people to fake it. So they just asked regular people to go up on a 10-meter board and then just jump off into the pool. Which is a thing that you see people do on TV. Like right. we saw people doing diving yesterday yeah. on TV, right? Off a 10-meter board. Like you see at the Olympics every year. Like it's a thing that you know intellectually. You can know that people jump off of this and are all fine. the time right. and are fine. And yet, when you're standing at the edge... And looking down, man, it's a long way. Like, you you are fighting against, you know, millennia of, of your genes telling you you're going to die if you, if you fall from this height. And so, uh, so this video captures regular people trying to work up the courage to do it. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Like I, you know, it's maybe what, 12 or 14 minutes long? It was, six, was 16 minutes. Yeah. And I was just glued. Yeah, 16 minutes. I was just glued to it. Like trying to, you know, watching these people. Are you going to jump? Are you not going to jump? All the people who tried to jump and then involuntarily stopped right. at the very last moment. Yeah. I mean, there was this one guy, I think it was the first guy who's pretty fit, you know, big guy. 
And he just stood there and, you know, hand wringing and hemmed and hawed and looked and walked back and forward. And then he was going to do it, you know, and he moved and he was almost at a run and he goes and it was almost like he hit a wall, like his toes went over the edge and he was right there and he stopped. Yes. You know, and then he shrank back and then he went and he climbed down and he didn't do it. (laughs) I mean, it was like the craziest thing. I don't even know how he stopped himself. Like he had momentum going. It's like he stopped himself by gripping his toes on the edge of the board. (laughs) It was insane. It was crazy. Um, In general, it seems like the longer people take standing there thinking about it, the less likely they are to go. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I thought were really cool were the people who were up there for, you know, like two, three minutes and then went. There was like that, uh, I don't know if you remember the... She had to be like a late sixties, early seventy year old woman oh, with the curly yeah. and the blonde dark, hair. And like the dark blue yeah. yeah. And she came up and she went back and she even started down the stairs. Yeah. And then came back up. And like she got partway down the stairs and stopped. Yeah. And you could see her like, No, you can do it, right? And she just got up and just, just ran off. Did it, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Likewise, yeah. there was the guy and the girl there together. And the guy, I mean, he just is like talking and talking and talking. I don't know. Can I do it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Forever. But he finally did it. I mean. Did she do it? She did too. Well, once, yeah. Once he went and didn't die. But he like came uh, back up and she, she still hadn't gone yet. Right. Yeah. He had to like. No, this is the going. one. It was a couples and she went while he was down in the pool. Because he started oh, to like yeah. tell her something. She's like, no, no, don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't talk me out of it. And then she and just jumped. She just jumped. No, I thought I thought this was really cool. Would you do it? Oh, absolutely. See, I, I don't have a thing about heights. and I say that too. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd absolutely do it. Hmm. But there's a little part in the back of my brain that says, but maybe you'd get up there and look down and be like, oh. <laughs> maybe i'm not gonna do it yeah i just i'm pretty sure i would just because i've spent a lot of time in the water and i'm not a 10 meter but i've been off a high dive before i have too but not a you 10 know. meter board um i'm sure i would do it and i wouldn't have to him and haw about it like i would just jump wow we should go find a 10 meter board somewhere i don't even know where there's probably an aquatic center like in the city somewhere but well there's yeah. is there a 10 meter board at the the rec center here i don't think so because they swim in there yeah but i don't think they dive i don't know and even if you could could you even get in there to use it i don't know (laughs) it would be a challenge we should see um no but i thought this was really cool and then they ended it with again it was another like big you know pretty buff kind of guy who didn't? I mean, he stood no. and hemmed and hawed and he turned around. Like he had tattoos. Out. Like he looked like a guy he, you would not yeah. want to meet in a dark alley. I would not want to tangle with him. <laughs> and he would not. Yeah, he didn't go. He wouldn't go. That's funny. It was. It was a really cool article or uh, video. Yeah, it was fun. Well, that's all we got. What else do you want to talk about? End of the line. I don't know. Now uh, you have me doubting whether or not I'd jump off. No, I know I would. Because I've jumped off before, been like, you know, whitewater rafting and stop somewhere and you climb up, you know, and there's a cliff you can jump off of that I know, you know. I know it was higher than 10 meters. And you jumped? Yeah, no problem. Cool. I'm trying to think of the highest thing I've ever jumped off of. Like I've jumped off the high dive at my local's pool, which is probably 10 or 12 feet, maybe 15 feet high which is maybe half the height of a 10-meter board. 
I don't think I've ever done cliff diving. No, there's plenty of other things I think I'd have a hard time doing. I'm not sure I'll ever go skydiving. I think that would be... I have done skydiving. Well, if you jumped out of an airplane, you can jump off the 10-meter board. I guarantee it. Uh, Skydiving was cool. That might be too far for me. I don't know. You should go skydiving. It could be a bonding experience. I don't want to bond with anybody that much. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't need to bond midair. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah. My glass uh, is empty. Yeah, mine too. So until next time. See ya.